Welcome to Shot Talk, where we talk to people who have gone from blue collar to blue suit. I'm Randy Baker. And I'm Dr. Kent. My, my voice is still cracking. <laughs> I'm still an adolescent, but on this show, I try to be adult. So really, on, on this show, Dr. Kent, I've ditched my blue suit. I did that a long time ago. And I've never owned one. <laughs> but we talk to people who have gone from really from the, the start of their career or from their, their blue-collar trade background and built significant businesses and done some significant things. And today we're talking to Jamie Teets. And what I think is so amazing about the trades, right, and that, that concept of there's some kind of commerce happening, there's something, someone's fixing something. So I see even, you know, doctors lawyers there's some there's a there's a trade to it this is this is the professional class and literally i love talking shop with with folks who are in this space now jamie tate is in i think he said western michigan and i think he actually is in chicago but he he has a business that is a, a an asset free freight brokerage business that employs lots of people and does amazing things so what I thought was really fun about this conversation is that we started at that level, which went way over my head. And then at the end, by the end, uh, I really understood what Jamie and his business do, even though it is really complex. And so I love, I love the way that he explained his life uh, and his work. Uh, it's just really a refreshing interview. And we, and we talk about self-driving trucks zooming down the highway. That was pretty cool too. Yeah. So listen to this interview with Jamie and, Keep your ears open for the couple of gems that he drops along the way about how you too can build a fabulous business. Nice to see you, Jamie. I have to say, you know, most folks show up and they've got some crazy background. Uh, you've got just a really nice blank white wall. So I guess we should just start with like a blank canvas. So like, tell us a little bit about, about Jamie Teets. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, pleasure to meet you and, and uh, honored to be on here today. But uh, so, so I grew up in Western Michigan uh, in an entrepreneurial family, uh, several uh, tier one automotive businesses. For myself, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and have my own business. But growing up, I really had no idea what that was or what that looked like. As I went on through college, I still had that same vision and idea that I want to be an entrepreneur and own my own thing. Uh, out of college, I was very fortunate to land in the third-party logistics space, also known as freight brokerage. I learned from the godfather of freight, a guy by the name of Paul Loeb, who has a very successful track record. I, I was honored. The godfather, the godfather of freight. Is this like this is what people call him, or is this just kind of a way of describing him? I would say this is what people call him. Uh, I don't know that he knows that, but uh, on the periphery, it is what he is referred to as the godfather of freight. Does he like smoke cigars? That's because he gives you a gives you a day you can't you know say no to. Yeah, I don't know about smoking the stogies, but uh, he's definitely the pioneer of of freight brokerage as it is. So I was very lucky to, to learn from him in an organization, his second organization that he owned in freight brokerage. It was very early stage. I was one of the first training classes right out of college. 
stood up a very profitable uh, big book of business organically by myself at that organization uh, and fell into what I loved and, and what I was looking to do as an entrepreneur. And that's when I set out to write a business plan, uh, got an investor, young, young, dumb at, uh, in my early 20s doing this, you know, trying to raise money as a you know, 23-year-old in 08 in the financial crisis. Looking back, uh, it was pretty crazy to, to think that was a good idea, but that's what kick-started us. That's what got us started. We wrote a business plan. We had an angel investor. Looking back in 2010, we started the business and fast forward in, in 2021, we're, we're more of a mature business, but happy to cover the in-betweens um, throughout this conversation. So Jamie, we have a lot of connections, people that we talk to, and one of the questions I get asked a lot is, is framed around, I want to start my own business, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm kind of scared of the hustle and grind that has to happen. How did you get through your first few years? Was that literally living on ramen, working 24 hours a day and sleeping for two hours on Sunday mornings? That's, that's a good glimpse of it. Uh, yes, it is, Randy. I, I was fortunate enough and, and somehow smart enough, didn't realize it at the time, uh, the money I made out of college, um, I was doing quite well saved it up. I wasn't young and dumb in the fact of blowing it out at the bars. I did a little bit of that, absolutely. But no, it, it is the grit, grind, and effort that people are afraid of, and it's reality. It's true. That's what it takes. You know, I think the other part of that is not much sleep is the experience of failure, or, or rather worrying about failure, and what do I do if I fail? I think it's a mentality that you know you're going to fail. No one ever has started a business perfectly and failure is a part of the process. And I think learning by experience and by failure is the best way to learn. Um, but people are afraid of failure. I mean, it's, it's part of nature. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say... It's an interesting way you talk about failure because you're, you're talking about almost like it's like a partial failure. You're failing a class, not the whole high school, right? Yeah, I, exactly. You know, it's bits and pieces of failure, right? But I think it's the mentality and mindset of what failure is. Who are you letting down? Who are you failing? And as, as long as you have that mindset of I'm going to get back up, nothing's going to stop me. Uh, I'm going to get knocked down in the ring, but I'm not going to get TKO'd. I, I truly believe it's that mentality and using those fa failures as learning experiences and be becoming better, stronger, and faster as a result of those failures. If you're making the same mistakes and failures over and over again, maybe you're not an entrepreneur and it's not cut out for you. And it's not cut out for everybody. Uh, you have to have you have to have thick skin for sure. What would be the the three top pieces of advice that you would give to somebody starting out in business? Uh, I'm thinking: ditch the girlfriend, stop drinking too much beer, and the third one is, you know, stop betting on horses. What would be your three? Well, the, the, the three, uh, I think first and foremost is believe in yourself. Uh, it sounds very cliche, but if you don't believe in yourself and you want to be an entrepreneur and you're going to believe in others, uh, it's probably not going to work out. At a certain point, once you start to build the business, it is more about believing in others than yourself. But I'd say first and foremost is, is believing in yourself. We talked about failure, and I'll say it again because I am a firm believer in it, is not being afraid to fail 
and using failure as learning experiences to become better, stronger, and faster. And third is have a vision, have a strategy. What are you setting out to achieve? Uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, some very successful entrepreneurs. You have to dream big. So when I talk about vision and strategy, it's dreaming big. It's stretching yourself further than you think you can really go. And if you have that vision and you have that strategy, you're not afraid of failure, you believe in yourself, you'd like to believe success is going to be there. Again, may not be there for everybody, but I, I would say those would be my three pieces of advice. Cool. I like all three of those. I want to talk about your current business just very quickly. You describe it as a non-asset transportation business, which I really love. We've gone through COVID. We're now suffering supply chain issues. We're suffering ships being stuck out at sea, not getting into port, all sorts of stuff on a global basis. How does your freight forwarding and transportation business, logistics business, how does that actually work in this environment? We're thriving. Uh, having been in the industry for 16 years, obviously there are uh, global supply chain constraints and our business is booming. Um, you know, we're, we're growing. Uh, we're going to do a double this year, 100% growth over last year, self-finance, zero debt. So those early years of bootstrapping are paying off that we don't have to go to the bank or to our investors or anyone like that. So we're very fortunate in that sense that we're able to scale this business at a very quick rate and move quickly, uh, not having that board and those investors. But back to the supply chain constraints, you know, there is a massive shortage of labor, which we hear about. There's a shortage of labor at the ports. There is a shortage of truck drivers. There is a shortage of trailers. There is a shortage of chassis. There is a shortage of warehouse space. So all of these bottlenecks and supply chain issues you hear about, it's a shortage in every aspect of the supply chain. There is obviously with COVID and what you asked about COVID, there is a very high demand for products with government stimulus, people sitting at home doing remodeling, building. You see people spending more money uh, from their couches. I, I think the prevalence of, of e-commerce and being able to go to apps and just order uh, materials, uh, you know, if you need to do construction at your home, whether it's from Home Depot or a light customer of Lowe's or someone like that, or you need to get food delivered to your doorstep or anything in between Instacart and you're, you're having pharmaceuticals delivered, prescriptions delivered to your doorstep. I think it's the world has become much, allowed people to order products much easier and with the amount of spending that people are doing, the demand is in far in excess of the supply of trucks and availability out there. And since we are a non-asset-based partner, we have access to over 30,000 different trucking companies within North America that we can go out to and we've built solid relationships with. And, and, and that's really allowed us, um, our relationships with our carriers and our shippers who give us freight have really allowed us to leverage how well we treat both our carrier and customer partners. Because you think about uh, truck drivers, they make all the product around there that we buy, whether it ends up on your doorstep or in the grocery shelves, it's the truck drivers that are the biggest piece of this. And, and we have so much gratitude and appreciation for what they do. Uh, and I can say prior to starting my business, you know, you'd see a truck on the road and they're moving slow and everyone gets frustrated, throwing their hands up, this damn truck driver with move out of my way. 
I've since I've been in this business for 16 years, I have so much appreciation and gratitude for those truck drivers, and I think everyone in not even America in the world should because they work so hard and they make products, food, beverage, everything that we use every day available to us as consumers. So, COVID really did it. It, it helped us significantly mature and scale as a company. Uh, we've done a great job of it, uh, but it is market conditions, and it's a shortage of what I had mentioned. Anything from capacity to warehouse space. So in our in our shop, I get to talk about stories and dig into people's past, uh, <laughs> like a creepy guy in your basement. So I'm a little bit curious if I were to go back uh, into kind of your uh, very early history, uh, if we go. I don't know, all the way back to your folks. How would your parents describe you when you were 23 starting that company? What would they have said about you? Uh, he's crazy. Um, <laughs> simple. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, sometimes you got to keep things simple. That's that's what life is, is try to keep it simple and dumb down, right? But no, I, I think they would say that in, in a, a positive manner. Uh, and, and the reason they would say that is because I was doing so well so early out of college and making a lot of money out of college that they're thinking, well, why are you giving up what you're making at such a young age to go do this during a financial crisis with so much uncertainty in markets and your industry and this all is new to you, you know, what are you doing? You know, and again, I think that gets back to believing in yourself because uh, I just had no doubt in my mind that I was going to be successful. No matter what it took, the sleepless nights, the hard work, you know, cutting back on spending, all those types of things, I would leave it to as simple as can be as this guy is crazy. And I'm a little bit crazy. That's 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 true. <laughs> where did you so where did you get that tenacity from? I mean, that sort of drive. Where'd you, where'd you pick that up along the way? Uh, you know, I think it, it, a couple places, but I, I would really say my grandfather, uh, he was so inspirational to me. You know, he started the family businesses that, that our, our family is a part of today and, and employ thousands of people, primarily in Western Michigan. He just had that demeanor of everything I talked about, not being afraid of failure, believing in yourself. And I would say with that, too, is, is so somewhat experience from my family and my upbringing of my grandfather. I would also say part of it, too, was being a sports player, being very competitive um, I was competitive in everything I did. I still am competitive today. I'm an alpha male. Um, so I, I, I think that those two things would definitely be it is, is my so like nice, like nice competitive or like beat the guy up in the other side of the bar competitive. Well, it depends if it's on a field or in the bar. You know, if it's in the <laughs> right. bar, it might be beat the guy up in the bar. If it's on the sports field, right? You, you know, I, I, I needed to win the game, but I also wanted to respect my peers. What kind of what kind of sports did you do in the day? Uh, I grew up playing soccer and basketball. Uh, primarily, I, I played soccer year round. I ended up playing club soccer at Indiana University. Very cool. But uh, yeah, soccer was my. I was center midfield. Nice. I was a distributor. I wasn't the scorer. I didn't have my name all over the press. I've always been. I want to be under the radar, right? I, I want to distribute the ball. I wanted other people to have their name on the press and them to score the goals. I was a guy that put it all together, I guess. I love that. So you had quick feet. Yes, exactly. 
Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I grew up playing soccer. I was the sweeper back in the day when they still had sweepers and stop stoppers and all that. But no longer, apparently, they they've th those have gone the way of the dodo, I guess. <laughs> so, and and kind of speaking of that, speaking of systems and models and the way things are put together how do you understand transportation or, or trucking or, or, or you know uh, all of those things differently than other folks out there what and do you kind of see where things are headed in a different way yeah i think it's it is very systematic what we do but it is also very simple what we do as well and i think a lot of people overcomplicate our industry uh, technology is moving at a very fast pace and I think we like to just keep things simple as I've already said on this call um, as simple as can be we are very process oriented at my business of transportation one always looking at processes and making sure that they make sense for the business as it grows and evolves we are very quick to pivot we're very quick to understand we need to be agile and the business is going to evolve so we've also been very good about understanding change management. Uh, change management is a huge aspect of our business. Because we are a smaller business, it is a little bit easier to manage change management at the organization, at the organizational level. But I would say because of our processes and how process oriented we are, you know, we don't really do things much differently than other freight brokerages. And and you know, I think it's a lot of hype. You hear a lot of freight brokerages and how they differentiate themselves. In the end of the day, we are a relationship-based business. It's how we treat our employees and our people and take care of them. It's how we treat our shippers that give us the freight and we have long-term contracts with. And it's how we treat our carriers and our truck drivers in respect with all of them across the board. If you can do those three simple things, those are our three customers, our employees, our shippers, and our truckers. Uh, it, it's pretty simple. And then, then it just comes down to execution. And that's where having the operational processes, making it as seamless as possible, you know, making sure there are redundancies, but just removing any duplication of efforts. It is very manual, um, our industry in many ways, and just making sure that we always have an eye on what people are doing so that we can increase their productivity. We always say, how can we do more with less? That's what we're always looking at doing is refining our processes so our people can increase the incremental productivity and we as an organization can do more with less. And essentially that should allow people to have a better work-life balance within the walls of our organization. So that, that's the ultimate goal in the end of the day. Very systematic. And you have, you have different, it's interesting, almost different audiences within the one business. So you're, you're reaching out to truckers, to, to people doing the transport, you're reaching out to people receiving the goods, presumably, and you're reaching out to employees within your system. I mean, there's there's a lot of communication happening. So I'm actually curious about the copy. Again, this is my side of the house. There's some really good copy on your sites. For example, don't sweat it, you know, like uh, <laughs> reliable loads, competitive pay. It's a very, very simple clean text so what is it what's the value of i guess the right content and, and the right way of describing what you do to your to your audiences you know again I, you just echoed what i had said earlier is 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 keeping it simple in the end of the day we're picking up goods from point a and delivering them to point b 
However, there are a lot of things that happen in between point A and point B. Um, so, you know, again, I hate to kind of echo what's already been said, but taking care of those individual parties, offering good benefits with our employees, making sure that people are clear on our vision and strategy of, as, as an organization is so critical so that they can go out there to those two other respective customers, those being our truck drivers and shippers, and having a consistent message, having a consistent way that we operate as an organization so that people do want to come back to us. I think it takes one bad experience. I've heard it before. You're only as good as your last load. And that is so true. I mean, it, it's so important to remember that every load is that important. And if we can, you know, stamp transportation one being known to our customers with consistency and, and a good level of consistency, I guess consistency could go the wrong way if you're consistently bad, but I'm obviously referring to being consistently good. You know, I, I think that's, that's so important. I want to look forward for just a minute. Technology has changed a lot of things, but it hasn't really yet changed too much in the freight brokerage business. Although there's companies that have turned it into a retail business as opposed to a wholesale. Where do you see it going in the future? Where do you see transportation in particular? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, no, I, I, I think autonomous trucking is the future of the industry. Now, does that mean that there's an actual truck driver in the cab at a certain point? Yes, that's how they're testing it today. Decades down the road, I, I don't think so. But the amount of work that needs to go into that from not only designing and developing these trucks and making sure they're safe on the roads is one aspect. But a second aspect that people forget is our highways and the, the road infrastructure needs to be changed significantly for it to be safe. And think about all of our roads being not necessarily redesigned, but having a designated lane for trucks if they don't have somebody in the cab. I mean, that along with legislation, which people are talking about how this works out today, again, it's happening, it's being talked about, it's real. However, it is decades away is my belief. But autonomous trucking and digitization, you know, one click of a button and drivers being assigned loads and not having to do anything, receiving fuel advances and not having to pick up the phone and call customer service, I think that's the future of our business. So one last uh, question from me for you, and that is, if you weren't doing this in your life right now, what do you think you would be kind of like an in an alternate reality? If you could be anything else, what, what do you think you would be? Wow, uh, tough question. You guys asked the tough questions. I, I, I think I would be through, through, you know, obviously using a little bit of, of my experience and what I have today, I, I, would, I would love to be a, a mentor and an advisor since I did start the business from day one, dollar zero. I've learned so much along the way. I've failed so many times along the way. Helping people understand and accepting the failure, but also working different avenues of you know, my journey and how to avoid some of those failures on the front end. You know, being that advisor and mentor that I have so many of today, I'm so grateful for. I, I would love to be, I, I could see myself as, as being a mentor and advisor and running so, some sort of fund or incubator um, with startup companies and, you know, bringing in brilliant 
uh, like-minded as, as I was, you know, 15 plus years ago when I started my business, younger men and women to come in and, and say, hey, I have a business idea and supporting them in that business idea and really being alongside of them uh, in that journey. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's where I could see myself being one day in my future as well. There's no doubt, Jamie, that you're a, a remarkable young man. I can say that because you are significantly younger than me. It's inspirational to hear stories of a 23-year-old that has created something really significant in their life in just 15 years. It's, it's inspirational, and I would love to see you using that knowledge for other people, to help other people do the same thing. So with that in mind, who would you like to connect with you and how can they do that? I, I would like anybody that is thinking about starting a business and unsure of how to go about it or if they should start a business, I would be glad to talk them through what it takes, You know, not only from on paper, but the mindset as well that we've talked about today. I can give you, uh, after this um, call, I could give you my email and, and they could reach out to me via email. Uh, and I would be happy to speak with people uh, in that regard that, that have that interest in starting a business or a venture and, you know, going through it. It's, it's, it's a struggle and you really have to get over that. It's a leap of faith that not many people are willing to take. A lot of people talk about it, but you have to have the might and courage to take that leap of faith and know that you're going to make the jump and you will land on your feet. So I'll, I'll, I can happy to provide my email so that you could give that out to those interested in reaching out to me and. I'd be glad to have those conversations with folks. Brilliant. Uh, Jamie, it's been so much fun talking with you. Uh, I think um, anybody sort of starting out is going to be really inspired. And I also love, um, you know, honestly, understanding and, and hearing about completely different points of view than I'm used to. And I, I actually think just that one statement you made about truckers will change my <laughs> mindset when I'm on cross country trips or anything else and getting <laughs> boxed in. I'm going to say, Hey man, this, <laughs> these are good. These are good people. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So thanks for the call for Absolutely. the, for the conversation. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll stay uh, in touch. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Great meeting you. Great chatting with you as well. So thank you, Jamie. I was really intrigued by your take on autonomous trucks. I had never thought about the amount of time that it's going to take for them to become economically viable. And even when autonomous trucks are plowing our highways and byways, somebody still has to arrange for them to pick up goods and deliver the goods. So the brokerage firms like yourself will still be in business. So I got to say the autonomous truck thing, I, I started thinking about that that movie <laughs> where the guy's being chased Duel. by the truck. Yeah. The old 70s movie, <laughs> Duel. <laughs> yeah, terrifying. Anyway, but they'll be friendly autonomous trucks. Um, but, I, but I love the idea that he said it's going to be a ways in the future, but it's something we're going towards. And uh, just, just such an optimistic and positive worldview on um, – a topic I, you know, am not all that acquainted with, but I, I love these words that he's using, like load, like the word load, right? <laughs> and just the way he used the word loads and where the load has to be reliable. Uh, awesome, awesome terminology. Uh, talking about loads, 
if you go to crazy MBA, you can have loads and loads of fun. Or if you go to thoughtpartnergroup.com, there's a free assessment that you can take to find out whether your visibility is indeed loaded. <laughs> nice. I thought you were about to say if it's a load of shit or not. <laughs> no, that was tempting, yeah. <laughs> it was tempting, but you didn't say it, so I had to. Yeah. So anyway, this, this was fun. Everybody tune in the next time. We'll talk to somebody else about their awesome shop.